Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It was 2014. I had to look this up. Where President Obama golfed during a crisis and had to admit in a Meet the Press interview that it was a mistake for him to be golfing immediately. And I couldn't remember what the crisis was. Why do I bring this up? Because Joe Getty has abandoned his radio show during a moment of crisis and is golfing. Joe Getty doing the same thing Obama did in 2014. Oh, yeah. Uh, So... I'd forgotten this. So Obama, it was on a Sunday, and Obama was golfing on Martha's Vineyard, condemned the beheading of American journalist James Foley. Do you remember that? God, what a horrible thing that was. That's a video I never watched. Talking about, we were just talking about with Craig Timber getting desensitized. I don't watch that stuff. I know some of you do, but if I hear, hey, the video's out of somebody being, you know, run over by a car, beheaded, or I don't, I don't watch those things. I don't. You know, to each their own, but I don't watch that stuff. Anyway, Barack Obama talked about how horrible that was and then immediately uh, turned around and walked onto the golf course and got beat up for a fair amount and then admitted it was a uh, a mistake. And that's what Joe Getty's doing today, abandoning his show at a moment of crisis. With Russian troops in the streets of Kiev. Yes, I'm now saying Kiev. Because it was pointed out to me that the Russians call it Kiev, Ukrainians call it Kiev. You're standing up for Ukraine when you call it Kiev. So from now on, I'm calling it Kiev. That's a good point, Jack. That's virtual. JoJo is not actually here. He has abandoned us. Um, we have we have a number of clips, right? How many do we have? I think like uh, seven or eight, something like that. Yeah, dig those up, and we'll get back to that in a second. First, though, as we do every single Friday at this time, we take a fond look back at the week that was. It's called Cow Clips of the Week. Listen, guys. Listen, guys. Honk, honk. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right? Ukraine is just not our neighboring country. It's an integral part of our own history. Vladimir Putin himself is talking about denazifying Ukraine. The leader of Ukraine is not a Nazi. He's a democratically elected leader. He's Jewish. Very capable. I have enormous respect for him. I've been criticized for saying that. No, I have enormous respect for him. I I say it plainly. I I'll support the proposal on recognition. You will support or you support. Speak directly, Sergei Evgenievich. There is no purgatory for war criminals. They go straight to hell. If you're you know late in life in sixties and this is kind of it, maybe that's what you try to do and you try to to be, to be, you know, a, a bump in the battlefield. But within the context of a diplomatic path still being open, the deterrence effect, we believe, has merit. But she can't possibly be dim and childish. America is a superpower. It would never put a senile man and an imbecile in charge of the country. On the other hand, maybe so. I saw an extremely eerie scene where both were thrashing in their beds, um, asleep, but both kicking and moving pretty aggressively. Don't worry about it. So what are they going to do to you then? Nothing. 
I did get COVID again. This was scary, so scary. I'm talking Ponderosa suddenly at a prime rib in the middle of the buffet line, scary. It's Tuesday, 2-22-22. This only happens once every 100 years. Uh, President Biden was like, I didn't care then, I didn't care now. <laughs> I... Sonny and Cher was a great act. Not geopolitically. <laughs> I mean, listen, guys. Listen, guys. Honk, honk. This is a dangerous moment for all of Europe, for the freedom around the world. But now, the entire world sees clearly what Putin and his Kremlin and, and his Kremlin allies are really all about. There you go. That's Kyle. Clips of the week. Um. So Joe Biden has nominated someone to the Supreme Court, a black woman, as he had promised. Her name is Katanji Brown Jackson. She was born in Washington, D.C. and went to Harvard. So you're getting diversity on the court. Uh, Obviously, it is the first black woman ever to be on the Supreme Court. That is uh, historic. The balance of the Supreme Court will be uh, among man to woman, the most balanced it's ever been by far. As recently as 2009, there was one chick on the court. One. One broad. Now, it's going to be five, four dudes to chicks, which is, you know, close to 50-50 as you can get. Um, I was wondering, is there any reason it was announced today? Did they want it to be buried by the Ukraine news because just looking at cable news while I've been on the air, they've mentioned the Supreme Court thing, but it's been wall to wall for the most part, Ukraine, and it should be. Uh, did they want it to be buried? There was some polling that the vast majority of Americans said Joe Biden should choose. I think it was 65%, if I remember correctly, but I know it was, it was well over 50% of Americans, including Democrats, said he should choose whoever's best. Don't, you know, only pick a black woman. Maybe they wanted to bury this announcement. And so they announced it in the middle of the biggest geopolitical crisis of the last however many years. I don't know. Oh, we got this text. They definitely wanted a different topic for the Sunday news shows besides Ukraine. So that indicates that person's guessing that they wanted this to be the lead story and not Ukraine. I don't have any idea. Or maybe it's just it was just time and it has nothing to do and I'm overthinking it. The CDC is going to come out with some new mask recommendations today is, is if you I give a crap with the CDC thing. The only reason I give a crap is if they if they say schools don't need to do it, then maybe my local school would stop making my kid wear a mask. But the Biden administration will significantly ease federal mask wearing guidelines to protect against COVID-19 transmissions today. So at some point, they're going to come out with this announcement. Another one is this. Timed to be buried as a story? Because it's not going to get much attention. You probably haven't even heard it. According to two people familiar with the matter, meaning that most Americans will no longer be advised to wear masks in indoor public settings. So, we'll see what they have to say about schools. By the way, polling in the state I live in, two to one People want masks to continue in schools. And I'm a local control guy. So if you're if if my local school, most parents want the kids to have to wear masks, and that's what the school board votes for, 
I'm fine with that. I don't think the state should mandate these things at the highest level. I don't like mandates in general of any kind. But, uh, you know, if most of the parents want masks, then I guess that's what you get, and you either put up with it or you move, right? So um, from that standpoint, I understand it. I just I don't understand what you're using as your argument for masks, other than it makes you feel safer. Uh, what's your scientific argument? But we'll wait for the CDC to come out. Senator Ben Sass in Nebraska had some interesting stuff to say about Russia, Ukraine. Um, also, some polling within Russia from a polling organization that most people believe is credible on these issues, and a whole bunch of other stuff we're going to get to. So, I hope you can stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. What, what song is that, Michael? Uh, Miles Kind of Blue. Kind of Blue. Yeah, Miles, yeah, Kind of Blue. That's not the name of the song. That's what I have here in front of me. It's the album. I don't think that's the song. Um... And that's not Miles Davis there. That's John Coltrane playing the saxophone. Miles Davis was a trumpeter. Um, so I saw President Zelensky of Ukraine on TV last night. Man, it struck me emotionally. It, it just He looked like a scared dad is what he looked like to me. Uh, he's 44 years old. He was the most popular TV star in Ukraine as a comedian up until a couple of years ago. He got elected president, I think, kind of on a lark. Um, and he, you know, never anticipated being part of a impeachment of a U.S. president the way he was. And he certainly didn't expect this. So I saw him on video last night in a, um, you know, up against a plain colored wall, probably in a bunker somewhere. He's wearing an army green t shirt because he spent the day in uh, camo gear and helmets and flak jackets in the trenches with the troops trying to bolster their confidence. This Zelensky's a true patriot. There's no doubt about it. Our government told him to get out, and he has stayed. And he knows what he's up against, as I'm about to say. So this is the video translated. I'm going to read the translation. You might hear in the background his voice speaking in Ukrainian, but I'll read the translation of what he said. It starts with this. I remain in the capital. My family is also in Ukraine. My children are you in, in Ukraine. My family are not traitors. They are citizens of Ukraine. Where exactly they are, I have no right to say. According to the available intelligence, the enemy marked me as target number one. My family as target number two. They want to destroy Ukraine politically by destroying the head of state. He remains in Ukraine. His family remains in Ukraine. That's a guy who has every reason in the world to be concerned that he and wife and kids will be killed by Russian soldiers today. And there he is, sticking it out. And as I was talking about earlier with our guy from the Washington Post, unlike the Romanovs in 1917 in, in Russia... When the you know the communists overthrew the uh, 
the the family that had been run, running Russia for hundreds and hundreds of years, the czar, um, you know, they were executed, and we we all read about it in the history books. Zelensky and his family, it might be on a YouTube video, and uh, that is that is going to that is going to have an effect on the world. The the backbone of the world to stand up to this may 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 be strengthened if we actually see and hear about this poor family being wiped out by Russian soldiers. Anyway, that's very, very dark, and I hope I'm very wrong about that. Have we done enough to deal with this? Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska, Republican, on Good Morning America. I'm sorry, the early show on CBS being asked about this, and this is how it went. On the subject of getting it right, though, in hindsight, was there anything that the U.S. government could have done, might have done, to prevent this, which now feels like an inevitable takeover of Ukraine? Absolutely. Uh, Going back to 2014, we should have been arming the Ukrainians. Putin uh, poisoned political opponents in 2004. He invades Georgia in 2008. He invades Ukraine and takes Crimea in 2014. He shoots down a civilian airliner again and again without consequences. 2016, he meddles in the U.S. election. He poisons Navalny again in 2020. He amasses 150,000 troops on the border, and the U.S. and, and Europe are just sort of slumbering giants saying, well, hopefully he doesn't mean bad. Here's who Putin is. He means bad. He's evil. He has big weapons. He has big will. You may think he's a genius. You may think he's a madman, but he's got will and he's got weapons. We can't be indifferent to this. We should have been arming the Ukrainians a lot more to date, and we need to do more starting now. That is uh, Ben Sass, by the way. If I don't know if you've ever followed him, like listened to him in a long-form interview. That guy is brilliant. He might be the smartest guy in government, which probably means he'll never run for president. Um... Putin has gotten away with all those things that were just listed. I remember remember when he um, attacked those people with the polonium poison, some uh, you know people that he didn't like politically in Great Britain. So Putin launches a chemical attack in Great Britain and doesn't really pay a price for it. Amazing. And you look at these things in retrospect. By the way, I don't know how many Obama officials I've seen. Uh, in interviews who now say we should have done more, a Bush official. So you got officials from Republican and Democratic uh, administrations now saying we should have done more. We should have done more in 08. We should have done more in 14. We should have done more in 15. These various points. Yeah, yeah. The people that have been making the argument forever, if you give a guy like this an inch, he takes a mile. If you don't let him know right away, there's pushback to these sorts of things. He goes further. Putin has launched four wars and been successful in all of them. Chechnya in 99, Georgia 2008, Syria 2014, and Crimea 2015. Those last two I got reversed. But uh, Crimea 14 and then Syria 15. All four examples. He got what he wanted. He got away with it and he was successful. So why wouldn't he think he's going to get away with this? And by the way, it looks like he's going to. It looks like he's going to take Ukraine and keep it. And the sanctions that came out yesterday, if you were listening earlier, we read from the Wall Street Journal, the number one financial rag in America, saying, look, those are weak. We could do much stronger sanctions, and they didn't for some reason. We're not really going after the biggest oligarchs and their families and their mistresses and their kids in our colleges and their their yachts around the world and their art collections. We haven't gone after them for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, I don't know the answer to that couple other pieces of information. This is the actual transcript from Snake Island, which I'd never heard of. It's a tiny little island. I mean, really tiny. 
right off the coast of Ukraine that had some uh, Ukrainian soldiers on it. A Russian warship pulled up alongside, and you, you can hear the, the back and forth of their communication. The Russian warship said, I'm a Russian warship. Lay down arms and surrender to avoid bloodshed and casualties. Otherwise, you will be hit. Roger. The Ukrainians re- replied, Russian warship, go F yourself. The Russians obliterated those 13 warriors who laid down their lives. That was the last communication before they were fired on and all died. President Zelensky confirmed yesterday that all Ukra- Ukrainian defenders on Snake Island were killed by Russia. They refused to surrender and were killed to the man. Brave, brave boys. I think you're going to see a lot of that over the coming days. Um, uh, Ian Bremmer tweeted out yesterday, The Putin invasion of Ukraine now unfolding is the worst outbreak of war that we have had since Hitler invaded Poland in September of 1939. Same motives, same technique, the same lies leading up to it. And for whatever reason, the free world is not mounting much of a response yet. And as you heard from Ben Sass, we should have been mounting more of a response as we saw this coming for previous weeks, months, and years. But we did not. You're going to hear from one of the best military strategists around who absolutely knows what he's talking about, Mike Lyons, coming up in just a few minutes. If you miss an hour of this here radio show, you can grab it in podcast form when you go to armstrongandgetty.com, armstrongandgetty.com. You can text anytime at 415-295-KFTC. we got a lot more on the way to finish out the show. Please stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight in Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies and reassure those allies in the East. As I made crystal clear, the United States will defend every inch of NATO territory with the full force of American power. And the good news is, NATO is more united and more determined than ever. Let's talk to Mike Lyons, as we have almost every day this week, because there's been constant news coming out of this. Mike served with various military organizations in both the United States and Europe throughout his career. Commanded Alpha Battery, 3rd Battalion, 17th Field Artillery, etc., etc., etc. All kinds of different operations, including a Bronze Star for his actions in combat. Mike, welcome back to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Good to be back with you. I, I, I need a cold realist like you to talk me out of feeling like we in the Western world should be fighting this fight because, man, watching that poor President Zelensky last night, he looked scared. He ought to be scared. He's, mm-hmm. he's a guy that realizes he might be dead by later today. Yeah. Um, how, do, how, do we, how, do, how does the world allow this to happen? Is it just because it, it, it would be too hard to stop? Yeah, it, it would be. I mean, you know, the upside right now is <clears throat> I, I think it's not gone that well for Vladimir Putin so far. Okay, good. I want to hear that. Okay. So, so I think that's the upside. 
Um, there's been no shock and awe. You know, they, they're trying to brag about 100 or so, 150 missiles they fired. That's nothing compared to the kind of, um, you know, air campaign that I thought they were going to put together. There's really been no cyber attacks in these outside cities. There's really been no uh, other air campaign that's existed. Um, the Russian um, army units appear to be getting caught up with, uh, with certain things, and they're not advancing any quickly. So they're not combining any kind of air mobile you know operations that, that I'm seeing so far and I think that he recognizes from a from a military perspective that if you don't have initiative you don't have momentum you have nothing so I I think that there's a little bit of like an overreach and underestimation of how this has gone but number two though the problem though is he's now just going to go right to the source to your point he's going right right to Kiev he's going right to that airstrip there Airborne troops are hanging in there. He realizes he doesn't need a lot to go after the president. Now the question is, how well will it, will he be protected? Um, that that still remains to be seen. There, but the other the other downside is is almost inevitable because there's nothing we can do. It's too late. We should have been doing things 20 years ago. We should have been doing things five years ago. We should have been doing things three months ago. And in some ways. I hate to say this, but um, you know the Ukraine country itself should have been preparing for a better defense in depth that they weren't doing because they just never expected him to do this. Yeah, and my argument all along has been um, I'm looking at the map right now up on uh, one of the cable news channels and all those countries mm-hmm. around Ukraine, the European countries that they aren't putting soldiers in. Right. They, they, why would I be more worried in the United States than they are? Right, but uh, you know, go ahead. You, know, you, you could argue right now NATO should be putting together about a hundred thousand unit force uh, from each country. Each country ponies up about ten thousand soldiers. We, you know, we're we're at that number right now. Um, I'm not sure you can get ten thousand Germans out of bed right now, frankly, to to, to care about this, which is wow. another separate issue. And yeah, I mean, they should be thrown out of NATO at this point, given what their lack of contribution and, and what what the cause of you know they're not voting for the SWIFT bank. All, all the things, frankly, Germany's been. Not not a very strong ally, but anyway, you, and, and at least right now, because we've got to stop thinking about his intent. You know, we're trying to figure out what he's oh, he's going to do. This is what he's going to do, and and start focusing on his capability. He's got the capability right now to side with Belarus, who's become you know a rogue state as well. They've got responsibility for for this. They, they're just as criminal. They're just as responsible for this invasion uh, as as Russia is, and the leaders there. Um, and they've got they they clearly have capability to turn this whole thing north and say you know. You know what, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, you look good. Let's go. Um, and I think the the, the 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 simulations show that they could do that in a, in a very short time. Same like what they're doing to Kiev right now. And I think that's got to be the focus. If NATO wants to be relevant and stay in the game, they've got to put more on the board than you know, a, ten thousand troops and a couple of helicopters and a couple of air wings. Why was Saddam Hussein going into Kuwait the sort of thing you could line up the whole free world to stop, but a, a guy with much more capability militarily like Putin going into Ukraine, we all just watch? Well, the thing is, he, we let him get into Kuwait, and then we ejected him out of it. So we, we, we showed up there as liberators as opposed to invaders, and I think that's... That's the issue. Now, I have I've already told you the story, but I remember going to a brief presentation and briefing and, and back in the day, they were talking about this and saying that if that if he was successful early on, it was going to take a four-year D-Day type invasion to eject him from Kuwait, which I was just dumbfounded at the time when I saw that level of intel. Um, but he just was was dumb and you know gets into a country thought he could hold it the same way, and then you had the masterful 
George Bush and Baker and the, the, the alliance that they put together with Arab nations and nations throughout the world wasn't, wasn't a NATO job. Um, they got nations, around, over 30 nations that got involved there. And um, in, in what's really been the most successful military operation post, post-World War II, it's something that we you know, clearly won. But the other thing, too, is <clears throat> I think he's underestimated the amount of troops that he needed to bring to the battle. Um, we brought 500,000 troops to the field that day in, in Desert Storm for those four days. A and, stunning number. Right, exactly. And now he's Putin's bring has is let's say 190, but the 190 you've got what's called you know what's called ash and trash, right? The things in the back, and there's not 190,000 warriors. That's 190,000 total soldiers. So I'll bet you that combat capability is maybe a third of that. But the bottom line is when we brought 500,000 troops to the battlefield, we had 350,000 or so had, had weapons in their hands. So I don't know if he's brought enough warriors to this fight. I think he's recognizing that right now. Yeah, I was just watching President Zelensky yesterday in a, in a number of pleas to the world, and then his final video last night when I he was said to the people, uh, you know, come get your guns, fight, nobody's going to come help us. We're on our own. And I thought, geez, that's a heck of a position to be in. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw that story. President Zelensky actually tweeted this out, this little island that I was unaware of till yesterday called Snake Island there. Yeah. Uh, and there are a bunch of Ukrainian soldiers there, and uh, Russia Russians pull up in their boats and said surrender, and the Ukrainians said go F yourselves. Right. And the Russians killed them all. Yeah, I think we're going to soon see the atrocity phase of this, um, and that's going to be th- those kinds of things. They didn't have to do that. Uh, they could have surrounded them out. They could have tried to make them surrender. I, this is we're going to see how the Russian soldier acts in the face of humanitarian crises and humanitarian situations. And again, as invaders, they're they're so focused on their mission. So you know, again, there's going to be this atrocity phase, I'll call it, where there's going to be unnecessary death and destruction. But it's all about what Russia does. This is what they did in Syria. This is what we allowed them to do in Syria. And now it's going to be on television. The amount of, you know, I'm watching closely. All these pictures come back. They, they tell us things about what's actually going on the ground. They tell us things about Russian equipment. They tell us things about how people are doing. Uh, and that's what I think we've got to be our, on our eyes for. It's going to happen sooner than later, this atrocity phase. If Putin does kill Zelensky, especially if it's in a, in a way that um, is videotaped in some way, you know, video get, it gets out right. of him being captured or killed or whatever, yeah. uh, what do you think that'll do to world opinion? Yeah, no, exactly. And, well, it's we're going to have to recognize that he now could still turn his army to go to Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. I think, you know, we're sitting here amazed and hoping, well, he's really not going to do that. That's really not going to end up happening. And sure enough, it happens, you know, right on television. Because that, that message gets translated all the way down to the lowest level because it's not Putin that's going to do it. It's going to be some Spetsnaz unit that's going to be doing it. It's going to have orders to do it. So there, there, there's going to be no orders to necessarily try to just capture him if he if he dies and it's on video you know if the world can't isolate vladimir putin now and we can't produce stronger sanctions than what the president rolled out yesterday and basically said ah we'll check back in a month and see how it goes it's gonna be over it's gonna be over in 10 minutes i mean come on you you gotta be kidding me if we can't come up with something better than what we've rolled out with to isolate him then it's does show you that the world's really interested in, in doing just that. Yeah, the disconnect between the uh, the people being interviewed on the streets, or talking about a video earlier where they were handing out uh, what looked like AK-47s to uh, people on the street, and some guy looking at it like he's seen it for the first time, trying to figure right. out, you know, where's the trigger and which direction do you point this, but he just got handed that gun and he's going to fight for his country. Yeah, I, that's the only thing I put anything on, on the president there. He should have at least had some undercurrent of a better 
defense in depth and put the country more on a war footing. I think we talked about the fact that I hope we're on a cyber war footing right now in our country. We're not necessarily publicizing it, but but there's got to be this war footing that <clears throat> took place on the ground, minefields being laid, much better defenses. Look, the, the Russian military had does have the numbers to overwhelm. Um, but they could create certain choke points that could that clearly and have been making a difference. I've seen some things on CNN. You're seeing some of the battles are taking place. The javelins are working. You know, those are, that's a weapon system that uh, does give them some confidence. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he just does have that many more forces. Um, where do you get your information? How do you follow a story like this? Because there's, you know, the, the, the classic, the first uh, casualty of war is the truth. How, how do you tr- try to follow this uh, as a guy with your experience and, and feel like you know what's going on? Yeah, so I do have still context uh, in the Pentagon and okay. high level flex. I work, I, you know, I'm a, I work at West Point, so we, we that helps. get information. It's not, yeah, it's not necess- It's not unclassified. My my job, I think, is to take these data points that I see and then translate them better uh, on the ground uh, for what for what kind of things go on. And, and watching, uh, you know, the media has been pretty good, and the, the amount of videos. Uh, that are out there, you, you just tell you can tell the, the equipment that's coming through. So, like for example, the the when the artillery that was being fired wasn't really artillery; it was cruise missiles, and they didn't really fire a lot of them. It means they tell me they don't really have a lot of them because there's no way that 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 artillery that they have that's towed or that's mechanized is in any kind of range right now. Take that's only seven or eight you know miles away or twenty miles away. They're, they're not that close to Kiev. It's so the only thing we've seen really. Um, is and, and Kiev in these major cities is the strategic weapons because they're the only ones that have the capability to reach them. So that's kind of what I interpret when I see those kinds of things on the ground. How seriously do you take Putin's nuclear threat that he made, uh, what, 48 hours ago? And yeah. if he used nuclear in any way, anywhere, what would the reaction to that be? So, so go back to Russian doctrine, which says they would escalate to nuclear in order to de-escalate the situation. They think that if they used mm-hmm. nuclear weapons that we wouldn't respond to that. Um, I think that's a function of what he believes is our involvement. If we, if he, um, if we cross the border or if we, if there's, let's say some blatant type of support that he thinks, um, who's to say he doesn't launch a, a tactical nuke or launch it at a, he, he's got capability with this missile technology that he's got better than ours in Europe right now. He could take out a Western European city, London, Paris, Berlin. I mean, name your, name your, your city. Um, so, yeah, no, we've got to recognize that, you know, last time Nikita Khrushchev said we will bury you, said that in the 50s, and we haven't had heard something like that from a Russian leader since, but that's right out there. We have to look at capability and not intent. Wow. That's some good stuff right there. Mike Lines, military analyst, we appreciate uh, every time we have you on, especially at a time like this. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I uh, still don't think it's likely we end up with a wider war in Europe or nuclear or anything like that, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, kind of a fun is probably the wrong word. People's lives are at stake. People are dying as we speak. But um, there is a fighter pilot, a Ukrainian fighter pilot, who's gone viral as an ace shooting down lots of Russian planes. They're calling him the Ghost of Kiev. Tell you about that, among other things, as we finish strong next. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
Our, our enemy here is not the Russian people. It's the corruption at the top of that regime uh, that is invading a peaceful neighbor. I mean, Putin is, is evil, um, and he has will, and he has weapons, and there's no freedom for the American people to believe we can just look the other way and pretend that this isn't happening. Appeasement never works with a jackass like Putin. Appeasement never works with a jackass. The words of Senator Ben Sass. We need more U.S. senators that say jackass. Uh, I think he's right. So a number of different efforts to dissuade Putin from going further. The sport of curling. Are you familiar with the sport of curling? After an emergency convening of the World Curling Federation Board, a decision was made to remove the hosting of the curling championships from the Russian city of Perm. So, no curling championships in Russia because of this. Also, I know, Alex, in the newsroom, there's a couple other sports angles. Yeah, the UEFA, the European Club Soccer Championship, the final for the Champions League was going to be held in St. Petersburg. That is gone. They're now moving to France. And Formula One says they will not race the Russian Grand Prix, which was due to be in September. They're not going. I don't know how much impact this will have, but I'm happy to see that. It's the sort of thing the world should have done with China for similar reasons regarding the Olympics, um, and I think will happen in the future. Um, Tim Sandifer, who we uh, like here on the Armstrong and Getty Show, tweeted this out. Well, he's still in SWIFT. That's the banking system that so far the world has decided not to kick Putin out of. He's still in SWIFT, exempt from fuel sanctions, but damn it, we'll get him where it really hurts. The World Curling Federation. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, The... Uh, Listen to an earlier hour of the show, the Wall Street Journal, pointing out how tepid these sanctions are or how far short of what we could have done they are. I still haven't heard good arguing as to what what, what is holding us back from really going after these oligarchs. These oligarchs who have their wealthy kids going to Georgetown and UCLA and colleges like that, and they have mistresses set up in New York and in Los Angeles and San Francisco, and they have art collections on display and all kinds of uh, yachts, you know, those huge yachts in San Diego you see along there? Some of them belong to Russian oligarchs. How about we confiscate those? How come we haven't done that? And I maybe there's a reason, but I haven't heard what it is. How would you say it better? Oh, I forgot to get to this. Who's the ghost of Kiev? There are unconfirmed reports of an ace Ukrainian fighter pilot that have gone viral, with social media users dubbing the fighter the Ghost of Kiev. He's supposedly downed as many as six Russian planes in the first day of combat, flying a MiG-29 Fulcrum, which is a Russian fighter plane, and has quickly become a folk hero in the war, breathlessly watched online. So he's like the, um, he's like the Red Baron of this battle. I don't know how exaggerated or true this is in the early days of the war. I'm all for any misinformation or legend-making on the side of Ukraine that is going to help bolster their confidence. Fire thoughts! That's my favorite part. With your hosts, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Hey, dude, whoever you are made that. Is that real tap dancing, or are you just, like, clapping cups on a table? Because I think it's supposed to sound like tap dancing. Let's get final thoughts now from, uh, we'll start with Michelangelo. 
Yeah, I'm just going through our archives of the virtual Joe. You know, we need to update these. Here's two of them I want to play for you real quick. Okay. You stupid jerk. You moron. You ass. I'd like to punch you right in the ear. <laughs> and here's another weird one. This is, You can tell this one's old. Man, that reminds me of an old story my beloved late grandfather used to tell, but... But there's no time for that. Let's go to the next caller. Yeah, well, yeah. And that is old. If That's we took really calls. old. Wow. Yeah, we need new virtual Joes. Uh, let's uh, get a final thought from Alex in the newsroom. You know, uh, it's going to be hard to put down your phone and keep an eye on everything that's happening in Ukraine. I'd like to remind people at home, put it down. Don't doom scroll. Find something to get outside this weekend. Mm. Find something to enjoy. Don't doom scroll. That's a pretty good one there, Alex. My final thought, as Joe has abandoned the show and it's hour of need playing golf. Um, can I follow the news without doom scrolling? I think there is a difference between really staying up to date on news and looking for bad news to fulfill some weird, the world's going to hell vibe. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I definitely don't want to do that, but I'll be following this. You know, it is, it is what I do for a living. We will be following the news closely over the weekend, and we'll have the very latest on Monday or uh, next week, whatever it is. I um, I don't want to end the show on such a low note, but I I, I will ha- be happily surprised if the president of Ukraine and his family survive the weekend. I, I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm afraid it's going to. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Appreciate everybody texting and listening and joining and downloading the podcast, which you can always get, because, you know, it's pretty unrealistic to listen to the entire four-hour radio show. Boy, if, that's true. I definitely agree. Thank you, Virtual Joe. You can get the uh, the show that you miss in podcast form at armstrongandgetty.com, which is a miracle of modern technology. We'll see you next week. God bless America. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. I think that you may be over-egging the pudding a bit. You're going to enter a problem. I expected more. Okay. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. Me, don't do it. Do you understand? No! Oh, this is gay. Come on. Uh, you know. Thank you, everybody. They're fine. Uh... Okay. On that high note, thank you all very much. Bye. Have a great Friday, you mother... Uh, Armstrong and Getty.